morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 50 of Empty Betters. Man, it feels good to say that. I'm your ha- bleh, little rusty, as you can tell. I'm your host, Harrison Scholes. After missing last week, I have forgotten my intro entirely. Uh, it's good to be back, and I'm going to toss it off across the screen to my co-host, Nick Manella. How we doing, buddy? I am doing well. Glad you are doing well. You know, it seems like you're feeling a lot better, so super psyched to have you back, and I can't complain, man. Things have been good lately. Uh, my NASCAR driver won the championship, so, you know, oh 2020 finally threw me a bone, and uh, things are looking up. <laughs> yeah, a uh, little under the weather last week, but feeling good now. Nothing serious. Uh, had a little cough on me, so, you know, we're all cleared. We're all good. Um, wasn't good enough to go last week, unfortunately. Uh, thank you to our guests, uh, Dean and Mike. That was great. Good interview. You guys did awesome. Uh, but I am back, and it feels very good to be back. I've kind of slipped up on my intro, but uh, we'll get back in rhythm here real shortly, especially if the NHL is coming back when they say they will, but we'll get into that in a little while. And I'm going to introduce our producer, Mac Vogel. What's going on, buddy? How we doing, fellas? Good to be here, as always. Just chilling out west. Amen, brother. So we actually have a uh, guest coming on today. First time we've been doing an interview uh, for playing careers in quite some time, so we're pretty excited. Uh, Stephen Baker will be joining us. You will be able to find the uh, interview in the middle of the episode. We're going to go through some news first. We're going to get you with the Stephen Baker interview in the middle, and then at the end we will be going through Greg Wyshynski's power rankings. So we got a lot on tap for this episode. And per usual, since Nick is in the NASCAR mood, I'm going to let him drive this one. Nice. Like that segue. So not a whole lot of NHL news uh, in terms of quality or quantity. Uh, They did release an update on the 2021 season. And of course, as it has been for the last four and a half weeks, it's all speculation. But as of right now, their goal is to still start on January 1st and award the Stanley Cup no later than January or July 15th. So with that in mind, you can sort of begin to start accepting that the schedule is going to be between 50 and 60 games realistically i would assume uh elliot friedman says that you know some teams are advocating for playing up to 72 understandably they want that money but i just don't see that happening uh the league is apparently exploring the idea of using four hub cities and it's already said that it won't be the same situation as what they did with the postseason in toronto and edmonton uh, Bettman said that players won't be expected to go into a hard quarantine as they did over the summer. Instead, the NHL is looking into a modified bubble situation in which teams will head to a hub for 10 to 12 days and then return home to be with their families for a week. So definitely a little interesting when you think about the logistics of that. And as we further look into that, this whole all Canadian division is looking like it's just inevitably going to happen due to, you know, travel across border restrictions. Uh, If you follow baseball at all, you'll know that the Blue Jays had to play their season in Buffalo to get around some of those border disputes as they are the only uh, baseball team in Canada. But when you have seven clubs um, out of your league that are over the border, that definitely throws uh, a totally new challenge the NHL's way. So uh, definitely some interesting stuff coming. Hopefully this January 1st thing does happen 
but uh, I, I think a lot is just up in the air right now. Yeah, I would love to see it obviously start um, as soon as um, January 1st. The only thing is, if you kind of work backwards from Jan 1 um, and you think about it, that would kind of mean that training camp would have to start like very soon, like early oh, December. Like, like I'm talking like two to three weeks from now is when training camp would have to start for that to actually happen. And I'm just not sure how realistic that is at this moment. Again, would love to see it happen, but I'm a bit skeptical of that Jan 1 start date at the moment. Exactly. And they've already, uh, like, I mean, let's not forget that seven teams didn't make that return to play format. You know, they were just done when the season paused. So they've already been saying that they want to give those seven an extra week of training camp compared to everyone else to sort of try and level the playing field and I mean, just go ahead and add another week or two to that. Well, sure. And I'm I'm sure that teams like the Red Wings are probably like, sure, we're down to start training camp in two to three weeks or whatever. But, you know, if you're like the Dallas Stars or something right now, you're probably like, uh, can we have another minute? Like, that's a, exactly. that's a quick turnaround, man, for some of those teams. Yeah. That, and they're banged up. I mean, they, they need all the rest they can get. Yeah, Mac, that's a really good point. I guess I didn't even really think about that is that, uh, you know, you'd have to start training camp pretty darn soon. I mean, we're already pretty much midway, over midway through November, so you are talking in about two weeks, and it feels like we literally just ended the season. I mean, I someone tell me if I'm wrong about this, but Stanley Cup was awarded in late September, early October. It was right same time as the World Series, I think, right, or around that. I think it was a little bit before. Okay. Not that I have any distinction over the last eight months in my brain. Yeah, it all kind of blends in. It's all one day. Yeah. <laughs> but um. Yeah. Yeah, I think it. I'll say late September was about when it was handed out. So you're talking a two month turnaround. That's pretty darn quick. And Nick, like you had mentioned, a ten month, probably going to be a ten month layoff by the time we get game started for the teams who, or the seven teams who weren't in the uh, back to play format. That is a long time. Longest time any of them have gone without playing a competitive game. I guarantee you that. That's where I, I feel like that's where your legs just go. Yeah, and then pertaining to the, the hub cities, I mean, I guess this would be um, the way it was worded is a little odd. I, the way I think of it is like you have a hub city that's treating a series like a baseball series. It's all played like right there perhaps and you just have like a – like a jamboree of like the divisions and you kind of do it every two weeks. I don't, I don't know how that would work entirely, but um, I'm sure the players are all down with it. I'm sure everybody just wants to get the season going. We get some hockey back. Uh, you know, the owners get their money and the players get their cut playing for contracts and stuff. So I, I think it'll work out well. I have a lot of faith in the NHL, especially with the stellar job they did in the bubble. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm also still a little bit skeptical because I think, you know, the NHL, you, you said it, they did a fantastic job with this return to play and awarding the Stanley Cup provided the cards that they were dealt. But I think where we're going to run into some more problems here is it, this is ultimately a business and these owners are already going to be losing money. These teams are going to be losing money. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, when it comes to Tampa Bay. But, you know, if we do go with four hub cities, how do we decide which of the, you know, which four of the hub cities and now uh, all those other teams that aren't playing games at their home arena, I mean, they're just bleeding cash. So it's going to be interesting to see how they divide that up or, you know, how they award those hub cities, if those hub cities stay constant or if they change. 
Um, so I, I feel like there's just so many unanswered questions out there. It's something that not a lot of people think about, and I, I can't remember what team it was, but there there was an article written by ESPN a couple weeks back about small market baseball teams that are losing tons of cash, and they don't have a ton of cash to lose to begin with. So it's kind of interesting. I mean, it's pretty obvious out of the four major sports, hockey's probably the lowest revenue one. So I, in terms of spare cash that you can burn while we're getting through this, I would think that hockey, especially the small markets, are going to have a real tough time, and this is going to be a struggle. You know, the Columbuses, um, the Panthers, teams like that. The only way that the NHL could, you know, find a way to keep money coming in is if they could just somehow find a way to release, I don't know, like 31 new jerseys, (laughs) like right around Christmas time or something like that. And what a, I don't know, maybe they could do something like that. Oh, wait a minute. All oh, time segue. <laughs> Hall of Fame worthy. Yeah, Mac, you nailed it. So the NHL and Adidas have officially, f- finally released all 31 of their reverse retro jerseys for the 2021 season. Uh, this, you know, Mac, you, you absolutely nailed it. Not surprised at all that they're doing this at this time in the situation right before Christmas. And I think the response that most of these have been getting has been great. I mean, they've been all over Twitter. Uh, you know, even more so than just hockey Twitter. So it's been great to see. I know we've had a chance to look them over and we will be making a blog post about uh, our thoughts on each one. Do you guys have ones that stand out to you? Uh, Let me hear what you guys think are the best and the worst right now off the top of your head. So first off, uh, to Max point, checked, uh, you know, obviously you all know I'm Penguins fan, so checked Penn's gear today to see what the jersey would retail for, $240. Uh, so, you know, pretty pretty good timing for a pandemic where unemployment is reaching an all-time high and everybody just has tons of money laying around, you know? Um, so, yeah, 240 a pop. As far as the best ones, I mean, I think the most controversial one is by far the Coyotes. You either love it or you hate it. I've seen a lot of mixed reviews. I, for one, love it. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw, but Biz put up an Insta story today of him wearing one with his mustache, and it was probably the best picture I've ever seen. <laughs> um, but as far as my favorite one, I, I can't I can't not pick Calgary. I just love that it's the one. the best one. That old school, again, the one, the logo. It's just the best logo there is. You literally have like like a bull's face. I think it's a bull. I don't know what it is. It's a horse. Is it a horse? Oh, because yeah. the stampede, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shit. Oh God. That's bad. Um, but yeah, it's a it's like a horse and like he's it his head is made of flames. And then he's blowing flames out of his head. It's like you can't get better than that. And I'm a sucker for black. So yeah. It is pretty it's just sweet. clean. Yeah. I think I, I do love the Coyotes one. I actually think it's really fresh. I've always been a fan of that Coyote design. I kind of wish they had kept like the full Coyote holding the hockey stick and not just the head. But, you know, yeah. what can you do? It's cool. Um, I know we've all everybody's been talking about how the Islanders like forgot their due date and literally just sent in like the same jersey they <laughs> so always true. wear. 
so, so brutal. Funny. It looks the exact same. I mean, it's a good looking jersey, but like they should have done yeah. so. I mean, they could have done like orange or brought the fisherman back or something. You know, know, it's you know, but whatever. Everyone wanted the fisherman um, to come back. I also I know I mentioned it to you guys, but I wish so badly that Buffalo had flipped what was on their shoulder and the, on their center. I really love that old logo that's just the buffalo head, and I wish they had thrown that on the front and the swords on the shoulder. But I, I like the color scheme at least. I think it's sharp. Um, one thing, and I didn't even really think about this until I was actually having a conversation with my dad last night about all these jerseys. And initially, I was I was really into the um, uh, the Colorado Avalanche like throwback to the Nordiques jersey. Um, until my dad kind of like brought up a point that I hadn't thought about where he was like, basically just saying, I don't know how I would feel if I was like an, or like an original, like Quebec Nordiques fan or an original, like Hartford Whalers fan. And I just see like these teams like taking, like the way he compared it to me, he's like, what if the Ravens just suited up in like like browns logos like for a couple times a year or something like that you know what i mean like it is a it's little weird when up. you think about it yeah yeah it's kind of fucked up i i thousand percent agree especially when you know the coyotes have their own and then the winnipeg jets are their own team now and it's like kind of like an incestual type thing going right. on there it's, yeah. it's yes. just weird uh, and then I would on agree. that note, like if we're gonna go this route, why did the Jets not bring back the Thrashers look? True, like that, yeah, and that oh, is shit. that would have been weird. Like that would have been really weird to me yeah, if, yeah. if they did that. But it doesn't. It didn't feel immediately weird that the Nordiques showed up on the Colorado jersey until my dad kind of asked me that and was like, "I don't know how I feel about this." And then I was like, Hold. "I feel like they like." I totally agree with what you're saying. I feel like that's one that people have just been asking for for so long mm-hmm. and it was the same with the uh the hurricanes and the Whalers yeah. thing. like people just yeah. wanted to see them again because even though they're now defunct teams i mean mac you're wearing a nordique's hat right now true um i used to have a whalers hat i mean they're two of the best looking logos oh, and yeah. uniforms in all of professional sports mm-hmm. so i do like what um, uh what minnesota did where they kind of brought back yeah. the north stars colors but they still stuck yes. true to their like logo like i think that's cool but and like Dallas didn't copy that, right? True, so they didn't. One. Yeah, it's weird. Like right. what teams chose or decided that that was okay, and which ones were like, we're not going to go there. But something yeah. to think about. I don't know. Nick, what about yeah, yours? I um, I really liked Calgary's. I feel like we've already said that. Uh, Detroit, congrats! You're going to be uh, wearing a practice jersey because that's what bad. that looks like. Bad. It's just bad. Uh. I think the Caps did a great job. I was a little bit concerned about what it was going to look like when it wasn't, you know, going to be the blue one and they instead go with red. I think it looks fantastic. And if I had to pick one besides Detroit that really bothered me, I wasn't a huge fan of Columbus. Yeah. When your team or St. Louis, when your team has a color in the name and then you intentionally <laughs> wear a color that's not that, it's just it really defeats the purpose in my opinion a little bit it's a little a weird. little bit yeah and we could we could beat these to a dead horse and like we said we'll release a blog post with all of our full thoughts the one thing i will mention and like you said you're called the blue jackets and then you're wearing red jackets basically that really doesn't go well um i love vegas's i know you're going to hate me for that i love vegas's that red with the sword i'm a big no. fan i love no. all of vegas's no. uniforms everybody can suck it it's an unpopular opinion but i love them 
At least nope. you know it's an unpopular opinion. Also, yeah. one more thing that just has to be said, and I'm probably going to get a lot of flack for this one, but I actually fucking hate what the Ducks did. I think it's dumb as yes. hell. No, we we need to talk about also, this. Also, like, first of all, why would you want to go back to the days when you were an NHL team owned by Disney? That's like, yeah. that's some bullshit that I wouldn't want to, like, remember or throw back yeah. to if i was a ducks fan like they changed their name to not be the mighty ducks for a reason to like distance themselves from that like fucked up disney ownership that they had going for so long and now they're like hey look at these fucking mighty ducks lo-. like they could have at least used just like the mighty ducks logo i think the good one not the fun. bad one but that shit is garbage like that looks so dumb this is a movie it's a cartoon character and he's wearing the jersey while he's on their jersey exactly it's just so weird so bad. i actually really like it i know that i know that's like the majority <laughs> but I, I i personally love it i think it's cool i think it's different uh i'm kind of weirded like that but you know it is what it is it's definitely very 90s, and it was very – the whole Wild Wing thing was very them at the time. Uh, kudos to Disney for that. Uh, moving on, uh, as we were mentioning earlier, uh, a lot of these NHL teams are going to be suffering financially, and that includes your current Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning. They have eliminated 30 jobs in their organization as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. The positions were all across the organization – and they were basically cut immediately. Team officials say that the layoffs represent less than 10% of the workforce. And because the National Hockey League's postseason was played in a bubble in Canada, that team did not earn any revenue from the playoffs at all. So the Lightning lost money last season and are expected to do so again during the upcoming season, officials have said. So I'm assuming that means they don't expect one of the hub cities to be Tampa. So... Uh, I mean, that just sucks. You you never want to see something like that. It's it's just unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, it, like we said, and you don't really think of Tampa as a small market, especially since they're fresh off a cup win, right? I mean, they've they've never really had a problem, to my knowledge, of filling the stands. It seems like they have a pretty solid fan base. So, yeah, it's unfortunate. I would imagine this will get rolling out for a couple other clubs as well, especially uh, the longer we go past Jan 1. So, yeah, it is unfortunate. Yeah, I was going to say, unfortunately, I don't think that this will be the the first or the last. Um, well, it is the first, but I don't think it'll be the last uh, thing like this that we hear coming out of the NHL, which is definitely sad, but it's the reality. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Zdeno Chara may not return to the Bruins this upcoming season. Over at Thank Boston God. Hockey Now, Joe Haggerty was posed a question about whether the Bruins might look to trade for a defenseman to replace Tory Krug, who left the team to go to St. Louis via free agency, and Haggerty suggested that unsigned free agent Jake DeBrus could possibly be used in a deal to acquire a defenseman, and then he went on to say that the Bruins could easily roll into the season with the group they currently have on the blue line. That, as of right now, does not include Chara, who's still awaiting on a, another deal. So as of right now, he's just waiting to find out the structure of the 2021 season uh, before he and the Bruins come to terms with a new deal. And with the Bruins potentially being strapped for cap room and the uncertainty of this season up in the air, it's pretty likely that that might not happen. Yeah, I mean, here's hoping. Uh, He's a pain in the ass, so I really don't like playing against him. But uh, I, I think it'll end up getting done. I think he'll be back. He's the captain of the team. He's been there for a long time now. I think once they finally iron out the nitty gritty details of what 2021 is going to look like, he'll uh, 
He'll end up putting pen to paper, and we'll be seeing him back in black and gold, unfortunately. But I would love to see him retire. That'd be awesome. I uh, I would imagine he will probably sign something with the Bruins as well. Um, and yeah, I definitely don't like playing against him, but I got a whole lot of respect for the guy as a, um, you know, as a human being and as a player in general. But I will say. What would be really cool is if, and I don't know the likelihood of this happening, but I would love to Get see him off your face. either show back up in Ottawa where he you know, came from or where he really came from, the New York Islanders, who I believe Ooh. drafted him. I would love to see something like that where he goes back to one of those squads. I think it'd be cool. I, I feel like him and Lou would be a match made in heaven. I feel like that's old school meets old school, no bullshit. That would be a, a good fit, honestly, in my opinion. Don't hold me to I it, but like, I believe the Islanders drafted Chara. Yeah, they did. I, I they think did. Um, if he was going to pick, like, or if whichever one of those two he'd be more likely to end up on, I feel like he would have to say New York, just because I don't think Ottawa's in a position where they want to take on, you know, paying a veteran right now. Um, if, you know, like, if you're going to go make a playoff push and you can throw a guy like that in there, by all means. But, I mean, we both stated that or all three of us have said that Ottawa's not making the playoffs this year or next year. So uh, I just don't think it makes a ton of sense, but I I could see him going to the Islanders. That would be insane. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. I also think if he ended up going to Ottawa, he'd probably just retire because he don't want to go be in that shit show this year. (laughs) You're not going to go to four fucking hub cities and bend over backwards and get another shot at a cup and then play for Ottawa with Matt Murray as your goalie. It's not happening. That's very true. Also, while I say it would be cool in concept for him to go to the Islanders because I like that as like an idea and as a storyline, I also would be like, well, fuck (laughs) me because we have to play this guy like twice as often now. So, you know, I'm not wishing for it. I'm just saying as a storyline, it's the journalist in me like thinking like, wow, wouldn't this be cool? But, you know. We yeah. just need like a like a six year moratorium on star players coming to the metro. It just it's enough. It needs to stop. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, moving on, some sad news. So, uh, former Boston University hockey player Travis Roy passed away uh, in late October at the age of forty five. Uh, 11 seconds into his playing career at BU on October 20th, 1995, Roy skated into the boards to body check an opposing player. He crashed, tumbling headfirst into the boards and fell to the ice, leaving him paralyzed. The Travis Roy Foundation was established in 96 to support people with spinal cord injuries, and the foundation has given nearly $5 million in research grants and helped more than 2,100 quadriplegics and paraplegics since its inception. Uh, Roy was an absolute freshman standout on the team, one of the highest prospects going into college hockey that season and was joined on the BU squad with NHLers Chris Drury, Mike Greer, Jay Pandolfo, and Sean Bates. And a cool story, after Drury won the Cup with the Avs in 01, he took it to Boston so uh, Roy could see it. So just if you've ever read the book 11 Seconds or seen the, I think it was like an E60 short, uh, 11 Seconds, um, you'll, you'll know this guy's name, but just someone who was so respected in the college hockey community, especially in his home city of Boston. And if you haven't read that book or seen that, please go and watch it. It is such an amazing uh, piece of work. Yeah. That's been on my list for a while to read that book actually. And, uh, now that there's a pandemic, I really have no excuse not to. So yeah, completely unrelated to the topic. Also very sad story, so please don't think this is disingenuous. But speaking of reading, I'm starting to realize how many people read, and I don't. And uh, you will notice that I don't read because I just spent the last three minutes looking up what moratorium means because I was 
wildly impressed by that term, Nick. Uh, for those who don't know, who are just like me, a moratorium is a delay or suspension of an activity or a law in a legal context. It may refer to the temporary suspension of a law or allow a legal challenge to be carried out. Uh, the more you know. Fun fact. Word of the day with Harrison. Yeah. I'll go ahead and put it into words that you can understand. It's like a forced or legally imposed hiatus. I was just going to oh, say it's shit. not that different from a hiatus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's something about those kind of words with me. So uh, there you go, folks. Maybe we need to have a new segment. Word of the day with Harrison. Synonyms, uh, buddy. I like Synonyms. Yeah. Good job, Nick. <laughs> yeah. And for those wondering, it is a noun. So. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Alrighty. I'm calling well, you when I'm on like if I'm on Wheel of Fortune or Who Wants to Be a Millionaire or Jeopardy, uh, I'm calling you, man. Yeah, I'm a great pick. I, I <laughs> you know those little vocab workshop books they had to do in elementary school. I never got oh, past yeah. level B, so uh, there's that. But I run a podcast, <laughs> so who's laughing now? Anyways, <laughs> we're going to now get into the interview with Stephen Baker. Uh, we want to thank him for coming on. This will be a good one. Hope you're all excited. We know he's fired up. So without further ado, we're going to toss it off to the interview with Stephen Baker right now. All right. So welcome, Stephen Baker. Thanks for being on the show with us today. We're happy to have you. This should be a fun interview. Um, This is a guy, for those of you guys who don't know, who is well-versed in the um, Maryland, Virginia hockey community. Um, I had the pleasure of playing alongside him for more than 10 years in youth hockey and teen high school hockey, also playing against him in high school hockey a lot. Um, but we'll kind of get into some of that in just a second. Um, Steven, how are we doing today? We're doing good. I'm super excited to be here and uh, talk a little bit about hockey in the DMV and my experiences growing up. Hell yeah. So let's get right into it. Um, first thing, I want you to just kind of walk us through your hockey background how did you first get into the sport? How old were you? What do you remember about like your initial interest in hockey as a little tyke? Um, it's actually funny. I my first memories of hockey were uh, going to Towson U games up Let's in Mount go. Pleasant with my dad. Yeah, go we Tigers. Go and, we would go and see the games, then go and uh, get a bite to eat afterwards. Um, I even actually got it like an old Towson jersey in my closet. There you um, go. Yeah. That's pretty sick. Uh, right? Um, so then after that, just started doing hockey basics up at Mount Pleasant. Probably as like six years old at the time. And then I think I finally joined Mag's team, like seven years old, playing mites. Um, been playing ever since. Huge Caps fan. A little bit of an Islanders fan. I'm, I'm sure we'll get to talk about that a little bit later, too. <laughs> No doubt. Yeah, sounds good. And I remember those good old hockey basics days, you and that big orange mouth guard. <laughs> <laughs> so how did your dad like get you into hockey? Is that kind of how that went? Yeah, for the most part. He never played a day in his life, um, which right. doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, but he was a big Islanders fan growing up. Um, from New York? Yeah, he's from Long Island. Okay, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm what, in the uh, same boat. What part of Long Island is he from? Nassau. Like West oh, Island. okay. Sure, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. My dad never played hockey either, but, like, he just kind of, like, got me into it. Except I started mm-hmm. Hockey Basics way after way after six years old, so good yeah. for you. <laughs> so you mentioned Hockey Basics, and that was obviously with BYH, Baltimore Youth Hockey, and through the Baltimore Stars organization. Um, take us kind of through your trajectory as a hockey player. Obviously we mentioned you started with the stars. 
Um, tell us a little bit about that and then kind of take us through your journey moving on to high school and then uh, college hockey afterwards. Yeah, so it was a pretty basic path, I'd say, for, for a kid playing in the DMV, playing for the local club team. Um, and then there there was a couple of times where kids would, would come and go. Um, but Mac, like, as you know, we kind of had the core group that, that stuck together there. Um, so just play with the local club. Um, it was always the dream to, you know, play for the varsity team at, at St. Paul's. Um, so, so did that. And, uh, the, the, the club hockey, the, the college hockey thing was never really on my mind that much. So what well, was, but, but it was going to be the club level, not, uh, going playing juniors and, and pursuing that D3, D1, um, it was, it was all about going to school and, and just playing at whatever level was going to, you know, present itself. You know, you're allowed to say that you captained your uh, high school team. You didn't have to just say played. That's allowed. On yeah. You. Well, you're allowed <laughs> to humble brag there? a little bit. <laughs> Not too shabby. Um, so I, you have an older brother, right? Sean, I believe. Yeah. So I was just telling Mac this before uh, you came on under the, under the call is that when I was playing, I think he was an eight. Well, he was an age group above me. I can't remember if he was one or two years older than me. But I remember when I first started playing squirt, uh, we would always have the squirt versus peewees at the end of practice just to burn like the last 20 minutes of ice time. Yeah. And at that time, your brother was so much taller than everybody. And yeah, right. He, he, he was like, a, like, like he just grew like way faster than everyone else. And he was like fucking Eric Lindros out on the end of practice. He was a bully and everybody. And I just remember being like, oh, that's, you know, I remember like the last name, like Baker. And then I don't think I ever like formally met you, but I know I've like played against you, whether it was through like Calvert Hall versus St. Paul's or something. But I always thought it was funny. I was like, oh, like he's the, he's the younger brother of the kid who's like massively tall when I was like 10 years old and just bullied me. Um, but yeah, I mean, how, how did your brother play a role in uh, your like upbringing in hockey? Uh, he was definitely huge in all that. Um, we started around the same time, so he was, you know, a little bit late into it. I think he started at Pee Wee's. Um, but we were always on the same teams uh, for the Stars, for, for St. Paul's. Um, and, you know, for me, it was kind of like I wanted to to prove to myself and prove to everybody else that, like, you know, I was just as good, if not better, than my older bro. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I figured that was probably going to play a role. And he mm -hmm. went on to play college too, right? Yeah, he uh, he played at Vermont, played club there. Yeah, which is you know probably a step above a bit. JMU, that's not shabby at all. Yeah, no not way. Too bad. Not yeah, too bad. for for any of those listeners out there that you know hear club and think like, oh, you know, club hockey. Like at a school like Vermont, though, club hockey is like it takes a hell of a lot of work to make a club hockey team at a school like Vermont. Yeah, when when you're north that far north of the Mason Dixon line, I feel like a lot of people can't really uh can't really like put in their head like oh it's like club, but like it's still hard as shit to make. Exactly, and so the fact of the point. matter is too, as soon as you leave Maryland, whatever level you're used to playing at, like if you're playing somebody who also technically played at that same level, but it was in like the Midwest or like the upper Mid Atlantic area, like you can pretty much guarantee they're better than you. Like that level is just like a step above outside of the Maryland area. I feel like. Yeah, for sure. Um, so why don't you tell us about like some of the schools that you played against in your time at JMU or what your whole experience there was like. I'm actually uh, pretty curious. I mean, I, I love hearing all the club hockey stories, but I've never met someone who played mm -hmm. club at uh, JMU. 
Yeah. So it's, it's, for me, it's, it's a great, you know, perfect balance between the, the competitiveness and the, the effort that everybody gives in, but also just the sort of mellow, you know, we're here really to have a good time. We're all guys yeah. who just love to play the game and that's yeah. why we're here. Um, so when, when we get on the ice, it's, it's go time. Everybody's going to be giving it their all. So the, uh, the, the level of play is, is definitely pretty tough. It's tougher than anything I experienced growing up for sure. Um, the, the kids are bigger, they're faster. Um, some of them are 24 years old in college. You know, that goes like, yeah, no, like they're like grown at, like you got 24 old versus an 18 year old. There's obviously a difference there. Right. What were some of the schools you played against? So we play in the, the leagues called the ACC HL. Mm-hmm. So basically, you know, your, your typical ACC teams like UVA, uh, Virginia Tech, UNC, Duke, NC State. Those are pretty big names. Yeah, totally. So that's like when we tell people at JMU, who a lot of them don't even know that we have a club hockey yeah. team. Like, oh, who are you playing this weekend? I'm like, oh, we're playing against UVA. And they're like, no, you're not. Like, you're making that shit up. Right. So, <laughs> today, no, today I if you're playing against UVA in a sport, it's yeah, you know, the it's real big fucking time. deal. Yeah. Who? What? What's like the typical like balance of powers there? Like, who's usually like the the best the best school in that division? Is there? Is that like a thing? Yeah. So I'd say probably NC State. They run a really legit program, uh, and, and UVA is another one. Yeah, I've been to their rink. They actually sell beer uh, in the waiting lobby. Pretty pretty fun fact. At, or at least at they UVA? used to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's something funny about that is we play at the same rink for JMU. At least we used to. Yeah. In it's Charlottesville. in Charlottesville, so we have to yeah. travel an hour to get to practice. Oh wow! Yeah, right. That's, that's rough. That that's it's, dedication. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's brutal. I remember that because when we uh, – I can't remember who we played, but it, it, we used to have games up there, and the parents would get sloshed in the lobby, especially when it was cold out. Uh-huh. That, that made for some interesting stories. That's so funny. <laughs> Steve, do you, like, is there one team that like every time you see them on the schedule, you're like, all right, that's a dub. Hell yeah. No. Um, <laughs> oh, so you were that team. <laughs> you, so you were that team for other teams. Team yeah. saw jam you on the schedule, and they're like, all right, okay. Damn, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, so one, some of one, the easier teams, though, I'd say, like we were always getting excited to play against UNC or Duke because those were we were kind of the, the bottom of the league there. Yeah, I mean, to right. me, I feel like Duke has no business playing hockey. You're right, like <laughs> but they got that strong lacrosse presence, so I feel like there's always that always like somehow coincides. That's true. That's true. Did yeah. you just like, I, I don't know, like, did you just run those kids a little bit harder and you're like, all right, you go to Duke, you need like an attitude adjustment anyway. So I'm just going to oh, go absolutely. ahead and good. Good to hear. Except we always got heard it back from kids at, you know, Duke and UVA. They're like, oh, you go to JMU. You're a fucking moron, bud. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that really doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Especially the UVA uh, kids. <laughs> I hope my roommate's not listening. Um, <laughs> hey, so Steven, one of the things I love to ask guys uh, when they come on, and I, I, I like to see a little bit of praise for some guys around the area, is who would you say growing up, and it can be either someone that you played with or that you played against, who would you say is the best player that you played with or against uh, in your hockey career? Oh, that's an easy one. I got to shout out my man, Ian Powderly. Um, oh, shit. There you go. We got to get him on the show, Mac. That's absolutely. That'd be fun. That dude was 
it just uh, a blessing to play with. He would dangle around everybody, and I got to play on his line for Stars, for St. Paul's, and all I had to go was go to the back door and put my stick on the ice and yeah. do the rest. Does he have relation to Pat? They're cousins, yeah. They're cousins, okay. Because I remember when I was growing up and I was in middle school, like St. Paul's and Calvert Hall were like powerhouses, and I remember Pat was always the best player on St. Paul's by yeah. a mile. Yeah, he's so. a good athlete all around. He played high-level lacrosse too, didn't he? Yeah, Pat played at uh, Syracuse, I think. Maybe won a national championship there. Oh, wow. Yeah, no big yeah. deal. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, uh, definitely I, w- I would probably echo that, that Ian Powderly was definitely the best. At, definitely the best I've played with. I mean, against is trickier because I don't know the names of everybody either, but um, by far the best player I've played with. I mean, me, Steven, and Ian were on a line together for quite some time in uh, in the Baltimore Stars org. And like Steven said, all, all I would do is just go camp out of the far post, watch Ian do all the work, and then just send one right across the crease. And I just like one-time that into the basically empty net at that point. Love it. Love it. So, Steve, let's get back to the NHL a little bit. Um, who's like your favorite NHL player? And like maybe whether this is a separate answer or the same, who would you compare your playing style to or who would you like to think that you're similar to in the NHL? You know, I want to say that my favorite player is Ovechkin, but I feel like that's kind of a cop-out. Um, You're not allowed to say that. Yes, right. you are. Don't listen to him. Well, realistically, I'm a, I'm a huge Backstrom fan. I always have been. I uh, love the way that he plays. and just Whenever he's on the ice, I just feel at ease watching a Capitals game. I know he's not going to fuck any, anything up. He's going to make the right play. Um so I don't think I can model myself after him because I tend to fuck up a little bit on the ice. Uh, <laughs> I, I like a, to I like to model game my game after uh, TJ Oshie a little bit. I think he's okay. he's a grinder. He puts himself okay, in the right see. spots and has a, has a nice finishing touch. He's a like workhorse, but he's got talent still. He's not just yep. you know. Yeah, that's a good comparison. I think. One thing uh, relating to Backstrom, this is completely unrelated to anything to do with this interview, but if you guys watched the Masters over the weekend, did you see Cameron Smith? You know, you know who yes. Cameron Smith is finished second? Yeah. Smack like him. Looks just like Backstrom. He looks like Backstrom if Backstrom like moved to Australia to run like a surf shack, though. Yeah, but he got a little dirty mustache and like that's yeah. fine. But like I, I, I was watching, I was like, holy shit, Nick Backstrom's in the Masters and he's actually playing pretty well. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he could hang with those yeah. guys playing golf. Right? He just seems like he's one of those guys that's just good at everything. Also, yeah, yeah. meticulously underrated. Just Absolutely. Every it's year. a crime how underrated it is. this guy is. It's a crime. Uh, so, obviously, you're a Caps fan. You know, growing up, I, I, you mentioned Ovechkin. Was there any other players that kind of stood out to you? Like, were you a big, like, Mike Green fan back in the day or – Wait, Steve, you got to I know you had some OG Islanders favorites too. You got to like oh, I, yeah. there's a name I'm okay, waiting yeah. for you to say and I think I know, I think you know what I'm talking about. I was a huge Miroslav Shatan fan. That's exactly oh, it. That's exactly. Yeah, let's it. go. Where um, how, so how's that come to be? I have no idea. It I think it was more so forced on me because like I said, my dad was a huge Islanders fan, and he just started calling me Mirslav out of nowhere. 
<laughs> and then like and my dad's friends started calling me Mirshla. Next thing I know, my my nickname was Miro for for ten years. Are you serious? So, That's kind of awesome. Yeah, pretty cool. But so I just took a liking to him. So here's the million dollar question: Did you like him when he was on the Penguins? No. <laughs> good, good he answer. likes the Caps and the Islanders. Why would he like someone on the <laughs> yeah. Penguins? Yeah, no. Fair, like- well, when you're nicknamed n- named after an NHL player, I feel like okay, you might have a soft spot. I don't know. True. We'll fair see. enough. We'll see. All right, Mac. I'll let you keep going. That's funny. Um, all right. Well, next thing I want to talk about was like uh, just, and I know this is quite an open-ended question, but. Um, you know, are there any stories, any like crazy stories from any of your levels of play that stand up? And this could be on ice stuff, whether it's fights or coaches getting tossed or even just a, a crazy goal or something you remember. Or it even could be like travel stories. Obviously, you travel to practice. You know, there's tons of bus trips and hotel shenanigans throughout a youth hockey and high school hockey experience. What What's one thing that stands out? Um, I've been thinking about this a lot. Just as soon as you said I was going to come on for an interview, I've just been thinking a lot about playing hockey. <laughs> and the one that, that kind of stuck out to me was, I think it was my sophomore year. We were down in North Carolina for, for a tournament for JMU. And at this time, the, the Pink Whitney wasn't available oh, in Virginia. Oh, oh boy. So uh, clearly, you know, the the college hockey team has to make a huge point to get some Pink Whitney while we're on the road. Um, so me and, and like four other teammates hop in somebody's car. We're driving to the liquor store. The the treasurer of the team gives us the team card. We're buying liquor for the boys. Oh, my God. And we, we get like six or seven bottles. And on the way back, it's a, it's a 10 minute drive from the liquor store back to the hotel. And we drank an entire two bottles between the five Jesus guys. In the Christ. <laughs> <laughs> what was your first impression of it? It was awesome. Yeah. I it, loved it, it. It, you can't actually drink it straight. It's so funny how that feels like so long ago, but the craze for that when it first came out was insane. Dude, yeah, right. I went to the li- I went to like my local liquor store when I was living at, in Towson at the time, three days in a row. Yeah, and I, I said to the guy, I was like, "Do you have it yet?" He was like, "No." Second day, do you have it? No. Third day, he was like, "It's in the back. Go get it." <laughs> yeah, no. It, 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 you like actually would call liquor stores and check in. I actually was doing that too. That's pretty yeah. funny. Out of all places, you wouldn't think that North Carolina was the one of the first ones to stock it, but I I, I guess so. Yeah. that's funny as hell emphasis on the uh everyone that wasn't driving also <laughs> yes but, uh, yeah always good to hear yeah all abiding citizens <laughs> absolutely yeah not doing anything wrong technically i guess i don't know cops might disagree with that one but there may have been an underage kid or two in the car <laughs> but yeah i cannot confirm enough. nor deny him. fair <laughs> enough um all right, moving on. Um, this is one of my favorite memories that involves you and, and hockey and, and our overlap there. But I remember growing up and, and you guys kind of setting up that pond hockey rink in your backyard year in and year out. Um, do you remember like how, how that started or, or whose idea that first was? Was that something that like your dad maybe did as a kid? I know you said he didn't play really, so maybe not. But how, how did that come to be and, and any any memories that stand out from those days? Yeah, so I think that all kind of just happened because it was probably three, four years into our family's sort of like hockey fandom. And my dad bought us a, you know, makeshift ice rink. Like it came in a box. It was just a bunch of like PVC tube, 
and, and a tarp. Um, so every year we, we would go and set it up. Occasionally we would, we would get the, the freeze we were looking for. Um, and then it eventually just turned into like a permanent fixture in the backyard, just waiting for winter every year. Yeah. I mean, I remember too, like it was, you know, it wasn't anything crazy. Like some of the ones you've seen on Insta where they put boards in and everything, but it was no, it was nothing to scoff at. Like it was a decent sized chunk of ice that we were able to get little mini games going on. Like I I remember some, some decent. Yeah, totally. It was, it was big enough to, to get kids out there and we'd play three on three, you know, Mm -hmm. four on four, maybe get a goalie out there. Exactly. Um, and one thing that, that sticks out about that, I don't remember what year it was, but it was one of the years that we had some crazy snow, sleet, rain going on in Maryland. And 2009, was, snowman. Yeah, it sounds about right. But yeah. there were like five inches of, of snow on the ground that got covered in, in rain and sleet. So I woke up in the morning and I was able to put my skates on, on the front door and skate around the house to the backyard and skate to the rink to start playing hockey just through the grass that's the dream right there that that is literally the dream and i mean you nailed it when you said like occasionally we would get that freeze that's like good enough because i feel like for most of us that grew up in the maryland area it's like what like maybe three times a winter where it it yeah, actually freezes that thick it's hit or miss actually do that yeah yeah but i you're right though i remember like not every year it didn't always work out exactly how you guys probably wanted it to but the years that it did and and the the weekends or the, those those especially cold couple of days in a row that we would get where it would be like that perfect temperature we didn't take that shit for granted i remember being out on that rink for hours and hours sometimes and you guys had that mega light in the backyard too so we'd like yep. literally i remember one time just you and i were out there like super late at night i mean it might have been like midnight or one in the morning at this point we had the megalite like shining on the backyard rink and we were just like goofing around out there taking shots at the net or whatever yeah it would even get to the point where i'd, I'd go out there before school in the morning because it would be the one week a year and i'm, I'm playing awesome. as much as i can exactly there you go that's awesome there you go um all right so moving on um Let's talk about jerseys. The most important part of hockey is looking good. We all know that. And uh, obviously lots of new jerseys that we talked about earlier in this episode uh, hitting the NHL. But, um, you know, speaking to that topic, what is your favorite and your least favorite threads that you've ever worn as a player? Could be from any of the teams you've played for. Okay. My uh, my favorite's got to be our uh, our white Stars jerseys towards the end of our tenure there. Um we've always mimicked the, the Dallas stars, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm a huge fan of those jerseys with the, the D star. Logo. Yeah. For the listeners, we'll get, we'll get some pictures up of uh, his faves and his least faves here on the Insta. And I think you're wearing the green one on our website. Are you? Not? I am wearing the green one on our website. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They also upgraded the shit out of you guys. That was like two years after I stopped. And it was like, <laughs> oh, yeah. like <laughs> nylon, like this bullshit nylon iron on like black, like, it just said Baltimore. I was like, this is so yeah, stupid. super shittily done too. <laughs> yeah. It's like, 
basically you guys probably flat. got stitched up and shit. We so. were talking about those old ones that had it was like the black jersey that said Baltimore across like diagonal, which was a great That's concept, but with. so poorly yeah. executed. Like it was, it was placed all wrong. It was like way far down on the jersey, so that like most of it just looked like a blank black jersey, and then there was like an awkward Baltimore <laughs> thing going on, like on the side. Total yeah, especially mess. when the iron on is falling off and the exactly. A comes out of Baltimore. Yeah, so, yeah. not that, up. not from personal experience. Although honestly, I feel like that was kind of more on the nose for the type of team that we were, and like coming, to, you know, teams out of yeah. like Hagerstown yeah. or all these preppy ass teams come out and play us at Mount Pleasant <laughs> and Patterson Park, and like we should look a mess, you know? It, it's that's what we are. It but it's like the Mighty Ducks when they're duct taping newspapers as shin pads, you know? Uh huh. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah, and more often than not, we would have a kid out there in a practice jersey with a number one with hockey tape on the back of it yeah 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 i was that kid um anyways all right uh, a couple more questions for you and then we'll wrap up what's your favorite and your least favorite rink that you've played at so it's the same rink it's it's patterson park i love uh-huh. i knew this was coming I love that place to death. It's it's the one true home ice advantage in the MIAA. <laughs> um, but it's also just a dump. What, you mean because yeah. the puck, puck gets stuck under the boards? and <laughs> well, the it, smells like the boards, the it smells like cigarettes It smells like cigarettes. It's basically like skate through <laughs> slush. Yeah. The boards yeah. are a million years old. Some parts of the ice are like warped down and up and like... It's yeah. like playing for a Michelle Terrier, and it just smells like darts and bad ice. <laughs> there's always squir- <laughs> There's always squirrels running around the rafters. That's that true. <laughs> yeah. You can see like the shadows of birds flying through like the little bubble that it's yeah. in. It's it's, totally. it's actually quite impressive. How Do you bad get the occasional is. gunshot in downtown Baltimore? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of there. Yeah. Um. Hey, real quick, just because I know. We're, uh, we're we're wrapping up here soon, but I just wanted to go back to talking about you know um, who you tried to model your game after when you were growing up and all that. What would you say? I mean, obviously you've played through youth, high school, college, pretty successful career, especially for a kid th- coming from Maryland. Not many people can say that. What would you say kind of was your one trait or skill that kind of got you up through the rankings? Like what what was your separation factor that you thought okay? I'm usually better at this than most people I'm playing against. Uh, that's a tough one. Um, I would probably say just hockey IQ. Um, sort of just being in the right spot and uh, and and finding people on yeah. the ice and, and sort of know knowing where the play was going because I was never really the fastest. Actually, I was never the fastest. <laughs> I'm kind of a slow skater. And, and I don't good. have great hands. Um, so I just developed into to getting myself into the right spot and uh, being able to make pretty good passes, whether it be a breakout pass or you know finding the D-man on the point and, and just going to the net and uh, making a smart play. I'm not going to disagree with that, but also as somebody that's played with Steven and against him for, like I said, more than 10 years um, – Another thing that I always kind of felt like you had um, before, at least before a lot of us got there or uh, before a lot of our opponents got there was just kind of like strength and that translated into like a hard shot. Like I always feel like your shot was kind of like maybe like five or 10 miles per hour 
faster than like the rest of us like we would kind of catch up and then you'd like excel to that next like and i felt mm-hmm. like your brother too like you guys both just had yeah kinda, totally and maybe that starts because i know you also and i did too but you started as a defenseman when we were younger and then eventually transitioned to being a forward but i i just remember always being like ah oh, shit baker's shooting get out of the way i'm not taking this one in the back <laughs> of the leg or something like yeah you know that used to be the case until everybody else grew up and, and got strong. And then I just ended up having a mediocre shot. That's when I, I had to learn how to finally be accurate with it. <laughs> Fair enough. I um, think I'm still figuring that one out. Yeah, hey, we all are. Yeah. Steve, well, I got you. So let's get some dirt on Mac. What was Mac's <laughs> best part of his game? Oh man. <laughs> Mac was a fucking crease monkey, man. He just, <laughs> Garbage goals, and that's it. I played on a line with this guy for, what, like five years? And I don't think Mac ever made a single breakout pass. (laughs) He was just in the zone, basically, (laughs) while me and Ian were breaking out of the zone. I'm already there. I'm, like, practically offsides. Hey, they don't ask how. They ask how many. And it was a good amount. It was a good many, honestly. What what was your favorite part of being Mac's line mate? The fact that he, I guess, the fact that he was a crease monkey, he would he would get himself there and he would he would score the goals. Like, I was thinking about this one the other day, Mac, when uh, I think it was a, a semifinals game against Hampton Roads. Yeah, yeah. And we were, we were like supposed to win going into it. We were uh-huh. the number one seed, and we kind of found ourselves in a hole in that game. Yeah, we were down like three uh, one after two or something like that. Or, yeah, I don't know. yeah, we were down in the game and it ended up going to overtime and. In Max, you know, ability to to find the puck and and bury it while in front of the net won us that game in overtime. Oh, so shit. yeah, there's a video Damn. of it somewhere, but I literally like like we said, Ian Powder literally won the face. It was like 11 seconds into overtime or something like that. He literally won the face off, and somehow like the puck just ended up near the front of the net, and I was standing right there, and I made like one little move and like put it in. That was that, but good times. There you go. Look at that. Yeah, Our totally. producer's a fucking crease monkey. We find something <laughs> we go. I'm not going to deny that at all. I was absolutely <laughs> just sitting there to take out the trash. But, hey, every team needs somebody like that. So, Hey, amen. There ain't nothing wrong with that. Um, so what's what's uh, what's life looking like now, Steve? I mean, where are you at? What are you doing? Is there coaching in your future? What's going on? Yeah, hopefully. I uh, it was actually supposed to get started with a uh, – a stars U16 team coming up here, but their gotcha. season kind of just is starting to fall apart with COVID and all. Um, yeah. But, but that's, that's definitely something that, that I'm looking forward to in the future. Um, right now I'm just I'm playing a lot of pickup hockey, which has been great. Good for um, you, man. Yeah. I haven't suited and, uh, up in like two years. It's sad. <laughs> so keep it up while you can. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I haven't been on the ice in probably like six months or something like that at this point. Yeah, it's been a minute for sure, which is yeah. not good, but good for you, Steve. Yeah, man. All right, last question I got for you. What is the best NHL game you can remember being at uh, in person? Best moment. It doesn't have to be a whole game, but just like one sick moment that you got to see live. Yeah, right. The the one that that stands out for me is uh, it's probably 2010, 2009 Cavs Rangers game seven. Uh, Fedorov. Fedorov, absolutely oh, coming dude. down the wing and just he pulls up 
Oh man, just rips one. Yeah, absolutely. I think like, I was there. I think too. it was like the first. I think we were there together. Bro. I think we probably were. Yeah, <laughs> that was like the, the probably the first playoff series the Capitals have won since you know the cup my run. fandom started. It was just awesome. That's I think until they won the cup, that was the loudest that I had heard that building. Yeah, totally. That was that was back when NHL was still on verses. I think. Oh yeah. So that, that, it's, oh, it's, it's, it's been a minute. I can it's picture like the verses, like like thing yeah. at the top. The of The big that. red Just, scoreboard. Yeah. 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 Yep. Hell yeah! Yep. All right. Well, I think that does Mac, it. You got anything else? I think that does it for me. Do you guys have any follow ups or anything? If you had to pick, Stephen, as a Caps fan, obviously, you know, recent memory, I think I know what your, your best Caps memory of all time would be. Uh, but is there like a specific moment within that cup run that stands out to you that was, I don't know, your favorite or you were just like, you know, this is the year. Yeah, <laughs> I'm seeing Harry. Harrison walk away. Right? Yeah, like, have yeah, fun, I'm Harry. <laughs> yeah. no, is there, I'm, like, I'm actually not going to pick that, what you think, just because I think it's it's thank you what people are expecting, but... It's uh, it was a game three against the Blue Jackets in the the double overtime. Gotcha. When when Lars Eller just the puck hit off his shin, his skate, and just found the back of the net. Mm-hmm. It was it was sort of in that moment. He took a deep breath, and it's like, okay, we got this. Like everything okay. from there, seemed like everything from there was was smooth sailing, and that just yeah. completely changed. You don't win that game, you guys might not have. Done what you did. I mean, exactly. If you don't win not. that game, I think it's we're literally trading like our entire team, like mail, yeah, mailing we, we it in. Probably don't point. even make the play. Yeah, you're totally right. We're looking at a rebuild right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. The um the one that always stands out to me, and I'll like never forget where I was and who I was with when I was watching this game was Game Six against Tampa. I to this day, I think that's the best game I've ever seen the Caps play. Mm-hmm. It was real yeah. tight, real tight. Yeah. I'd agree. They just that, – that was kind of a similar situation where they just kind of put their foot down and it's like, yes. no, fuck this. We're, we're getting this done. Exactly. We're getting yeah. it done. Hey, one more thing. Not really a question. Just one final shout-out I got to give while we got our boy Steven here. I mentioned we played lots of Baltimore Stars hockey together um, when we were younger. Steven was pretty much always the uh, captain of our squad. I was actually one year above – um, Steven, he's one year younger than me, but, um, in our U18 year, it was my last year as a Baltimore stars player. Steven still had one more year after that when I would be gone at college. Um, best class act I've ever seen, um, which I think Steven was kind of behind, but the boys on the squad got together and decided to toss me the C for my final year. Steven rocked the A out of respect, and uh, wow. damn, yeah, it was wow. A, wow, sick move that on his part. Deep. And that's the whole that reason. Is so I mean, that's the whole reason why those Stars jerseys that are in my closet have that C on there. It was just one year, my final year, that they decided I was going to captain the ship for that year. So, class. Yeah, act. look, man, that that was that was totally your team that year. We we were all behind you then, because you know it was it was the group of us were all the year below Mac and. We decided that that it was his turn. It was his team. We were all going to rally behind him and, and and let him lead the way. Yeah, it was awesome. I'll never forget that. Man, there's nothing like a virtual verbal blowjob to take you off. <laughs> Anyways, all right. With Any that, other final notes? I'm all good. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Steve. Steven. Thanks so much. We appreciate yeah, guys. It. Thanks for having yeah, me. Of course, yeah, we'll, we'll have to we'll do it again sometime on, uh, when the season gets rolling. That'd be awesome. Absolutely.
All right. Sounds good. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yep. See you, boys. We want to thank Stephen for a wonderful interview. Thank you to him for coming on. We appreciate it. As with all of our guests, it's great to get some insight into everybody's playing career. You know, get to know the uh, the area, the the players, the names that you hear about. So we want to we want to thank him for coming on. It was a great interview, and hopefully he'll be back on once again one day. Uh, so moving on, we are actually going to dissect uh, here for the last segment Greg Wyshynski's tiers of NHL teams. You could probably just categorize this as power rankings. So we're going to go through this right now. Uh, guys, how do you want to break this down? Just like a dis- agree, disagree, and a little maybe short one-liner about what you think? Yeah, perfect. Love it. Perfect. All right. So for the first category, we have the elite. Uh, so obviously he's got the lightning, the Stanley Cup champions. Colorado Avalanche, the uh, Caesars Palace favorites for next year. And Vegas Golden Knights. What are your guys' thoughts? Uh, I agree yeah. with the first two, and with the talent that Vegas has been able to acquire, I would say on paper you can put them up there as well. Yeah, here's the thing. This is all going to be kind of on paper type stuff for me where, you know, this to me this factors in off-season moves that have happened so far and some of the recent play we've seen from these teams. But again, like how, you know, how realistically can you take some of these things? Cause you just never know. But yes, on paper, I would say those three teams could be considered elite. Yeah. I would say those are probably the three big dogs to get it done this year. So I, I completely agree. A lot of Vegas hate in the, on the show. If in case you guys haven't noticed, I always have to stick up for them. There's always this little bias with these two. I, I don't hate them. Well, Bullshit. That's, that's a lie. I absolutely. Yeah, don't. exactly. Yeah. It's just, so. it's just, it's just very, it's very obvious to me. I feel like I have to stick up for them. So, I'll, I'll put it this way. I don't hate them. I just enjoy pointing out that they don't have a Stanley Cup every chance I can get. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Long live 2018. Um, <laughs> if you ask me if I could go back to 2018 and not live in 2020 right now, it was a painful year for me, but I'd probably do it. Uh, so the next category, the waiting room. Uh, what would you guys classify this as? The teams who are ready to take that jump. Yeah, maybe they're, you know, they made a, a good push last year and for whatever reason fell short or they're one big piece away or, a, you know, a medium-sized piece away from making that next step or they just need some puck luck, you know. Maybe they go in as a low playoff seed, but they catch fire like we saw um, the Islanders do and uh, make their way to the conference final. So I feel like they're, you know, and then you can probably throw, hey, we're waiting for some of our young guys to develop a little bit more, so... That's how I would describe it. I would agree. I feel like it's kind of teams that were stopped or, you know, kind of thwarted by those elite teams. If you look at a lot of those elite teams above them that we just mentioned, were actually the ones to knock um, these teams out in the recent playoff round. But um, I would also add to the list of, um, you know, things that, that make some of these teams just a little bit flawed. Uh, some of them are just cursed, just straight up, which uh, I think we all know which of those four teams I'm kind of talking about. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think this is fair for all those teams to be in the waiting room. Although I, the Canucks, honestly, is a little bit like... I, I, I should probably one, read the list. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> we got the Dallas Stars, the Philadelphia Flyers, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, I was just going to say the Canucks might be the one team that I'm like, it might even be a little generous to put them in there. I know they did just have a really impressive run there, but um, I don't know. Like they're they're still young and they're still like, I'm not sure I'd say they're like just one move away from a cup. You know, they might be somewhere else, but 
I'm okay with it. I honestly, I don't like the Leafs on this list. I, I have them in a completely separate category that we'll get to in a little bit. I just, you know, I don't know if this is your typical, you know, Toronto Maple Leafs NHL bias where everyone just, you know, thinks they're the second coming of Christ mm-hmm. and that they deserve the freaking world handed to them. But uh, I just don't. I'm, I mean, you know how the media is with the Leafs. So oh, yeah. I don't know if I see them in the waiting room, uh, maybe a little bit outside the waiting yeah. room. Uh, That's kind of true. I I will say Flyers and Stars, I think, are textbook. They definitely are like, I totally see them being as waiting room teams. Yeah, the waiting room's at 50% capacity right now. So, you know, they're kind of on the outside being like, oh, how long is the wait? Um, So we got the Boston Bruins in their own category because they're really good and they're the Boston Bruins. there's always... There's always that one team after every year where you're like, I can't put you in any of these. Like, yeah, I can't they're put it. You in this category. Like I don't know if their windows open or closed or if their captain's you know, coming back, if he's not. Yeah. Right. There's stuff. a lot up in the air for them in general, but they are just generally a good team year in and year out, so it's kind of hard to like place them anywhere. So next up we got the flawed contenders. We got the Calgary Flames, the Columbus Blue Jackets, the Edmonton Oilers and the St. Louis Blues. Uh the fact that this word contender is in here and we got the Blue Jackets is a little concerning and the Oilers and the Flames. That's a little concerning to me, but uh, definitely flawed. Definitely flawed. So I would probably, I guess in terms of teams that like should get over the edge, but just can't, although I don't even think Columbus really should get over the edge. I guess I would agree with this. I would say, so, I mean, go ahead, Nick. Like when we're saying like contenders, I'm assuming we're meaning contending for a championship here. So I'm assuming that means, you know, Wyshynski thinks all these teams make the playoffs. Right. I don't, I mean, I don't know with Columbus. I don't necessarily see them belonging here. In fact, I would say this is where I think the Leafs should have belonged was this flawed contenders thing where we just haven't seen enough out of them. We haven't seen them be able to play defense for, you know, what, three years now. Yeah. So... Yeah, I, I don't know. This is weird. I would definitely say the Leafs belong in the flawed contenders list. I think Blue Jackets makes no sense here. I kind of get the Flames being here. I I think they were a little bothered by some injuries and some penalty issues and just some, some overall, it seemed like locker room mesh issues or like chemistry issues or something like that. So maybe they belong in here. I do think the Oilers belong in here. Absolutely. The flawed contenders. I think that's that's right for them where they, they should should be a good team and the in year out year in and year out they do seem to get some people to predict them to go all the way and like win the Stanley Cup finally but like they just they always have some kind of flaw that just like gets to them the blues i almost feel like should be in their own category as well just cuz like they just won a cup but then they didn't like play that well in the most recent playoffs but like lost their captain Exactly. They just lost like some key pieces. Like I, I don't really know where. I don't think they belong here necessarily. Like that doesn't feel totally right to me. But I don't have a great other category to put them in either. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Uh, it they're just a huge question mark. I feel like you never know what you're going to get with them. Uh, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they do this year. Next, we got the rough off seasons. We got the Coyotes, the Hurricanes, and the Islanders. Obviously, the Islanders. Uh, which goalie did they lose? Someone juggle my mind. They still have Grice. Yeah, they lost Grice. So that was 
one of the two of that big tandem that they had. The Coyotes obviously lost Taylor Hall to Buffalo. That kind of hurts. And then the Hurricanes, I'm trying to think. I know Justin Williams retired, but other than that, I'm drawing a blank. What else happened? Can't think. Uh, I don't really think they had a bad offseason, if that makes sense. I think they didn't address the one need they had, which was goaltending. What do they got? Peter Mrazek and James Reimer still? Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, that's fine. It's kind of just like a... It's not going to get you deep in the postseason. It's though. just a question mark. In that. It's like two yeah. two question marks. Like I've seen both of those guys play very good games, but like I don't I don't know that I feel super confident in either one of them. Like every single night, like it's just a question mark. But they, I don't they I don't actually, know like about a rough off season in general. They actually did lose Trevor Van Riemsdyk and Joel Edmondson. Oh, that's right. They lost TBR so, to the Caps. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, obviously that's. Two of their bottom six guys, I would say. And didn't they have like eight defensemen anyway? They had a yeah, buttload of defensemen. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, they'll, they'll be fine. The, I agree with the Yotes uh, for both reasons on and off the ice. I think they had uh, a rough off season. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you lose that superstar rental you had uh, that just didn't really pan out and uh, yeah, I I feel like they don't really have an identity right now. Mm-hmm. I feel like they don't really know where they're going, um, understandably so with a new GM, but I feel like they're going to have to commit to something. I, I Honestly, I don't see them making the playoffs this year. Yeah, they definitely are in a bit of a limbo area, and I think the Islanders belong in this category more because of like a lack of moves rather than like they lost a bunch of things. It's kind of that they didn't really, again, they, they didn't really address anything, which Granted, it's kind of tough because they made it really far. So, like, you probably wonder, oh, do we need to do much? But at the same time, like, you kind of want them to do something. It seems like they need, like, something's missing. And then as far as the Hurricanes, like, I kind of just don't really give a shit about them enough to, like, put them anywhere. Like, I kind of just want to, like, move on and just not even talk about them. Like, who the fuck cares about the Hurricanes, honestly? Well said. Fair enough. So moving on, we're going to go to the surprisingly strong off-seasons. So we got Buffalo in there, obviously the big fish, Taylor Hall. Uh, We got the Florida Panthers. They had some nice acquisitions. And we have the Winnipeg Jets. And I think a lot of their off-season is yet to be determined. Yeah, and of course the Patrick Line saga continues. I saw an article on Daily Faceoff today where they were saying they now expect him to stay. I'm like, I I could come back tomorrow – and there will be an article telling me that this is all bullshit anyways. But, uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen there. That's just, they get Paul Stastny back, like, great. But does like that does that make you that much better? No, I, I don't think I mean, so. Stastny's decent, but he's, you know. I think the Panthers actually did have a good offseason. Adding Alex Wenberg, Patrick Hornquist, Radko Gudas. I mean, granted, we all know that's a Florida signing in the wise words of Mac, but... Uh, Vinny Henestrosa, not a not a bad couple of signings, to be honest with you. Good depth there. They already got the star power up front. I, I think Florida had a solid offseason. I'm not going to argue that they don't belong here because those are some big names that they brought in. But I will say as soon as I saw that they were in the surprisingly strong offseasons, all I could think was Radko Gudis three-year deal, and I couldn't stop laughing. It's it's such a joke, but uh, I I mean – I feel like they've got to fix goaltending too. I mean, how much are they paying Bob? I I think it'll iron itself out. I really do. I I think well, and to be honest with you, they've paid him that much money. 
And with the way he just played, ain't nobody trading for him. So they're going to have to iron it out. Harrison just pulled the classic. You're playing NHL franchise mode and your coach comes to you and he's like, hey, GM, we're getting scored on too often. And you're just like, eh, I think we can outscore our problems. It's fine. (laughs) Well, the Panthers do hit the over more often than not. So uh, I'll trust it. Uh, So the next category, and this one really pains me, uh, the window watchers. Teams that are maybe past their prime. Uh, We have past their prime on the next category, but we're not sure yet. Uh, the Predators, the Penguins, and the Capitals. I'll let you two take the floor. The Predators were just bad this year. Uh, oh, Aaron, trust me, ex- I know. Yeah, you experienced that firsthand. So yeah, my bank account felt even, that. Yeah, even when we like had the you know in the return to play, you know they were horrible. I mean, they struggled against an Arizona team that was you know arguably just as bad as they were. Uh, you know, so I, I, I definitely, I, I guess you could put them in this category. I feel like this is a very vague name for this category. And then the other two, I feel like you, I knew when I was reading this article <laughs> that they were going to be in the exact same category because they're always fucking linked together. Uh, the pens of the caps. So am I surprised that they're here? No. I mean, everyone said that the caps window had closed the year that they won the cup. So because it did. <laughs> I mean, but and I hope it closes and again. And I'm and I'm not like coming from a place of like hatred. Like I'll admit, like the Penguins are not going to be good this year. They're they're just not. I mean, I, I don't know how else to put that. So it's not like a ha ha fuck you. Like your team stinks. I just genuinely don't <laughs> think that the Penguins are going to be that good. Um, in terms of the Caps, I mean, I don't think I'd put them as window watchers. I, I think they're going to be pretty good this year. I'd say they'll probably end up finishing like top seven in the NHL in points per usual. Do I think they're going to win the Stanley Cup? No, but I I don't doubt that they'll be right there in the second, third round pushing for it. I, I just think that there's a couple teams that are better. I think that had the Caps not made that coaching change, they would have ended up in the flawed contenders Um category but because they made that change that i think that really was their flaw and so now it's more of a question is like is the window still here like to me when i hear window watchers i think of like has this team's window closed or not um and i don't think the predators belong here at all i actually would put the predators in past their pro or past their peaks um but i think yeah obviously the caps and the pens for the last several years have kind of always been in a very similar spot and i think they i think they both kind of belong in this area because they've still got lots of core pieces both of them but they're also both starting to take chances on some younger guys and and some other random rentals from around the league and, and younger goalies exactly and we that's just don't big question mark very that, true that for me that's the big question mark great for you guys. point how how is uh how is sammy gonna do well, for you guys too, though, you know, I mean, both teams, it's like, we don't know what we're getting in goal. I mean, you guys at least are a little more established with Jari and with... Um, Made the All-Star game Smith. for oh, that's worth, but my right testicle can make the All-Star game, so I guess that's not saying much. <laughs> um, I love fan votes, in case you can't tell. <laughs> yeah. John Scott, All-Star MVP. I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah. So now to go on to the past their primes, we got the Anaheim Ducks, the Chicago Blackhawks, and the San Jose Sharks. I'm going to say straight up, I, I the... The Ducks are just bad. They've been bad. I don't really know how you just figured this out. Uh, the Blackhawks, they belong there. I think the Predators definitely should belong here, like Mac just said. I will say, I don't think the Sharks are dead. 
I think they had a bad year. I think it was a fluke. I think that they'll be back this year. Martin Jones still stinks, but there's too much talent on this team and too much veteran presence where I feel like they can't be that bad again. I I, I think I'm not saying they're gonna be a one seed like they've been historically. But I could see them being an eight, eight, seven seed somewhere in there. I think they'll make the playoffs. Did they do anything about their goalies, or is it still uh, Martin Jones, or is it like Aaron Dell, or is it like Staylock? Who the hell do they have back there now? I think it's Aaron Dell. I think it's um, Dell and Jones. Okay, interesting. But someone yeah. can fact check me on that. But I, yeah, I'll double check. I think they belong in past their peaks. I, I guess I'd put the Ducks here. I kind of agree with Harrison. Like they kind of just suck in general. But I guess they had like a little while there where they were making the playoffs most years. I would almost have maybe a couple years ago I would have put them in like the flawed contenders thing. But yeah, they just don't. They don't really have a better spot to go. So I guess they can go here. Um, Why are you smiling, Nick? So they brought, I forgot that they, basically <laughs> I forgot about all the moves they made. The Sharks? Uh, their backup is, as of right now, it's Devin Dubnik. Oh, oh shit, I forgot about God. that. I forgot uh, about that. They brought back Marlowe, and then they brought in Ryan Donato, and I really don't hate those moves. I think it's when we start to look towards defense is when we're like, oh. <laughs> Well, they still got the two big guys. I and mean, they lost Dylan. Aside from Burns and Carlson, who are eating up God knows how much, mm-hmm. and uh, okay. Mark Edward Vlasic. Yeah. yeah. Just a couple of bad contracts back there at this point. Seriously. Yeah. So. I, I still think the Sharks make the playoffs. Uh, honestly, I, I'll, I'll die on that. I, I don't think okay. last year was uh, – I don't think last year was a – a statement on the future of this team. And I completely forgot about the Dubnik signing. I think that's going to be big for them. Yeah, for sure. I agree. And yeah, you guys nailed it. The Ducks just suck. (laughs) Yeah. The Blackhawks are, uh, I don't know what to expect, but it it ain't going to be pretty. Uh, The next category, we have the next wave. I guess they're saying about the next good teams on the come up. we got the Canadians, the Rangers, and the Kings. Obviously the Rangers belong on there. <clears throat> um, I don't know about the other two. I mean, I I guess you can put the Canadians on here. I I guess I get it, but your goaltender, who's basically your team, is also like thirty three years old, and he's not getting any younger. Your captain's not getting any younger, and your star homeboy, quote unquote, goal scorer can't score. So there's a lot of problems there, if you ask me. I feel like Canadians and Rangers definitely belong here. If it were me, I actually think I would switch the Kings and the Blackhawks. So put the Kings in past their peaks and bring the Blackhawks down to the next wave. That might be a bit of a hot take, but I I honestly think that they could, if they wanted to, decide to just rather than like commit to like a full rebuild and suck for another couple of years. I think if they made just one or two like little moves, they could actually like push full steam ahead, just accelerate that rebuild and, and like maybe snag like an eight or seven seed and like upset somebody or something. I I think they could be on the come up. And I just think that all those Cali teams, Anaheim, San Jose, LA, those are all juggernauts that just suck now, in my opinion. Yeah. LA's got some young pieces that are probably a year or two away that are specifically forwards that are supposed to be very, very talented. But 
Uh, yeah, I mean, not surprised that the Rangers are in this category at all, considering all the hype going on around Lafreniere. And, you know, of course, a lot of it is deserved. So what do you think uh, about the Canadians? Uh, honestly, because I think so Mac and I, I have, are a little on opposite ends here. I have their depth chart pulled up right now uh, on daily faceoff. And I'm, you know, looking at it like they have Nick Suzuki as their second line center. So that's going to ask him to take a big step this year. Uh, Yasperi Kotkaniemi, uh, he's slotted as their third line center right now, and he spent some time in the minors last year. They did send him down to, uh, you know, wherever their AHL team is now. And then they bring in Toffoli and Anderson. So I think it's just a question of how are these guys going to, you know, slot in and stack up. And then obviously defense is going to be a question. And then it's sort of the classic Montreal look where your your best player is your your goaltender. And let's also not forget, and I'm not trying to sound like a sour Penguins fan fresh off of a whatever that was round, but had we not had a global pandemic, the global capital of hockey would have not made the playoffs. I mean they weren't gonna make it. They were they 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 got a play in round. They beat us fine fair and square. Granted, best of five not an actual series. I mean, for being theoretical. And then they got their shit kicked in by Philly. So, I don't know. I'm not sold on this team. I don't really see anybody on their lineup who is like a legitimate stud up front. Obviously, Weber is on the back end. But it, it's just a bunch of like grinders that kind of get it done. And they beat us. So, I really do understand. I have no like room to speak. But they wouldn't have made the playoffs had we not literally had, you know the worst thing that's happened to the world in a hundred fucking years. Yeah. Like if this team makes the playoffs, they're like, not that team that you want to play at all. You're like, fuck, I have to go against Shea, you know, Shea Weber and Carey Price and guys up front, like Anderson and Toffoli and Paul Byron that can just outwork you if they really want to. But at the end of the day, what I've always said about the Canadians is that they'll make the playoffs as like an eight seed one year, and then next year they'll miss it by four points, and then the year after that they'll make the playoffs as an eight seed, and then they'll miss it again by four points, and it's just yeah, it's the cycle they've been in for like the last five, six, seven years. So I don't know. I feel like that's still where they are. I could see them making the postseason again, but I think anything past the first round would be a little bit overachieving for this team. I think that's fair. I. Uh, Harrison, you make a great point. If if the if the pandemic doesn't happen, the season ends as normal and regular playoffs start. Um, I think they they have a complete yard sale and and get rid of everybody and they I'll mail sell their it whole in team. and they start scratch and they don't make the playoffs. So don't even try to make the playoffs for like three four years. But I think just because that happened and because they were like, hold on a second. We ain't that bad. They kind of like <laughs> convinced themselves that it was worth like rebuilding, which suck. maybe it is. Like at this point, I just don't know if that was the right call or not. I'm I'm very interested to see how the Canadians will perform uh, in an upcoming season if and when we get there. Yep. Yep. I hear you. Yeah, I'm a little salty probably, truth be told, but whatever. I'll get over it. Uh, so these last two categories, we're going to wrap these up quick because nobody really cares about this. Uh, the wild cards, we got the Devils and the Wild. They both stink. Uh, obviously, they have some talent there. I mean, the Devils have some young guns. You know, you got Heischer, you got Hughes, uh, you got but what was the defense? Butler? But- Butcher. <laughs> Butcher. Shit. I can't remember anything. Um, so they obviously have some young talent. I just don't. 
think it's going to be there. I don't think they have any goaltending, and other than the names I just mentioned, uh, there's really not much to it, and P.K. Subban's not as good as it used to be. And with the Wild, you know how we all feel about them. I mean, this is just a a never-ending, like, purgatory of mediocrity. Wild is a goofball franchise. They just, like, literally (laughs) just total goofball (laughs) franchise. Like, what the hell are they doing? Devils are a wild card team for sure. You never know what the hell you're going to get when you're playing the Devils. Like, sometimes they absolutely suck, and sometimes they'll beat you, like, four to one, and you're like, what the hell? But, yeah. These two teams are, like you have like a holiday party and everyone brings over like, you know, wine and beer and their own drinks and shit. Uh And then like, you know, like a couple months later, you're going into your fridge and you're like, why the hell is this one beer that your one friend brought? I don't like (laughs) this shit. Like, like it's not horrible. It's not like what I want to drink, you know, after work on like a Tuesday night. And then finally you're like, all right, you know, what the hell I'll open it and I'll try it. And it's not bad. And you suffer through it cause you need a beer anyways, but it's not your first choice. Fair enough. I, I yeah. concur. Good analogy. Yeah, I feel you. And then we got the basement, the Red Wings, and the Senators. So at least the Senators got cool jerseys now. The Red Wings look like they got theirs from Walmart aisle 7. (laughs) Anyways, uh, that will wrap it up for us this episode. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Steven for joining us. We really do appreciate that once again. Um, Go check out the website, EmptyBetters.com. You know the drill. That's where all the blog posts are going to be. You can find the episodes there. Shop our merchandise there. It is the one-stop shop for all things Empty Betters. And like Nick said, we will be dropping our rankings of the retro jerseys here shortly. Do you guys have any final notes? I'm all good. I have my weekly trivia question. Are you guys ready for this? Let's go. Who was the last undrafted rookie to win the Calder Trophy? Oh, that's a good one. That's a really good one. Whoa. That's tough. Uh, is this, it, does this predate the year 2000? It does not. Huh. Does it predate the year 2005? I'm, I'm, I'm not going hey, come on, far come on. that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I dig in the memory bank here, eh? Undrafted, man. Uh... I don't know. I really couldn't tell you. I'm I'm thinking like most. I mean, that's a tough question. Yeah, that's tough. I don't know. I don't have a good guess. I really don't. Okay. Artemi Panarin. Oh wow. Oh okay. Yeah. I was not yeah. gonna get. I was trying to think of something from like 2007, yeah. like some random yeah. like dude that. Yeah, I, I, I like when you. I first heard this. I was like undrafted. Marty St. Louis next, but uh-huh. you know. Yeah, I was trying right. to think. I was actually thinking like Tampa or like Calgary, like the year it was like those two teams. I was I was thinking maybe it was one of them, but huh, that's a good one. Yep, that that's new, all I got. Is that a new tradition? I guess. Okay, we cool. got nothing else to talk about. Yeah, amen to that, Mac. <laughs> I'm all good. Your all good. You're, you're all good. All right. Well, thank you all for listening to episode 50 of Empty Betters. We have hit the half century mark. And we are very grateful for all the support that we've gotten up to this point. So thank you very much. And without further ado, class dismissed.